truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin are here with me as well. If you'd like to join us today, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. For those of you listening today via the podcast, it's D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening to, uh, to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us one of those five-star reviews, thank you. The more of those we get, the more people like you we find. And then the more likely we are to get to continue to keep these phony baloney jobs. Thank you to the thousands of you that have left us five-star reviews. Thank you very much. You can also give it a try liking us on Facebook, but no guarantees. Uh, actually, I'm pretty, I can pretty much guarantee it, it won't record, but you can try it. You can also try following us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you like it when we delve into faith and worldview matters on this program as opposed to politics, then you're going to love today's program. Uh, Coming up at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Billy Hallowell will join us from Pure Flix as we take a look back kind of at the year in faith in 2019. What were some of the big stories trending uh, when it comes to faith here in American culture? And then we're going to go right from there into Theology Thursday. We're going to look at five myths surrounding Christmas and the theology of Christmas that often get tossed around from both the left and from some uh, on the right. We're going to get into that coming up uh, next hour in Theology Thursday. Then we'll close out with Aaron asking us three non-political questions. But before we get to some of those matters, we do need to get updated on what's going on in the world. So here is Aaron's rundown of what's been happening while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Not Fitting the Narrative. A shootout took place the other day in Jersey City, New Jersey, where two gunmen stormed into a Jewish-owned kosher deli and opened fire. A large police and SWAT presence preceded a massive firefight. Three people were killed inside the grocery store as well as a veteran police officer. The two perpetrators, who were later killed, were named David Anderson and Francine Graham, two people with ties to the black supremacist organization Black Hebrew Israelites. Initial reports were that the kosher deli was not targeted, but Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop later said that their investigation showed that the kosher deli was indeed an intentional target. In the aftermath of the attack, as Jewish murder victims still lay in the streets, spontaneous anti-Semitism from onlookers was captured by the organization Americans Against Anti-Semitism. Is your child stuck at school? Yes, my child is stuck at school. Because of Jew shenanigans. I understand that you're frustrated. I would be too. I'm not from here. That's great. If they was there, they got shot there, that's great. In other news, the United Kingdom is holding what amounts to another election on Brexit today. Polls should close around 5 p.m. Eastern time. According to The Telegraph, latest polls of the United Kingdom show the anti-Brexit Labour Party struggling to catch up to the mainly pro-Brexit Conservative Party. Inspector General Michael Horowitz was quizzed yesterday in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee on the origins of the Russia collusion investigation. So the men and women at home need to know what's happening. A lawyer at the FBI creates fraudulent evidence 
alters an email, that is in turn used as the basis for a sworn statement to the court that the court relies on. Am I stating that accurately? Uh, That's correct. That is what occurred. A new Quinnipiac poll of black voters shows Joe Biden crushing the field with 51% of the vote. Pete Buttigieg doesn't even register. Speaking of polls, the Daily Wire's Michael Knowles polled his following on what it believes the ultimate goal of government is. The unscientific poll showed 62% of respondents think liberty is the ultimate goal of government. Just 21% believe justice is. 16% believe equality or something else is. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, well, there's your problem. Bueno, ahí está tu problema. According to an organization called the Abortion Care Network, over the last decade, a third of independent baby murder clinics have closed in the United States. Campus News, McAllister College in Minnesota is stripping the name of its founder from its campus buildings. The name Edward Duffield Neal will no longer be found on the campus because of racism or some crap. Former Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein and his former company have agreed to settle with his myriad of sexual misconduct accusers for $25 million. As part of the settlement, Weinstein will reportedly not have to admit to any wrongdoing and will not be paying out of his pocket to his accusers. And finally, late-night host Jimmy Kimmel had a wax figurine made of himself and decided to prank his staff. Oh, jeez, oh my God! My gosh, I love him, but he keeps scaring me. Jimmy decided to give his cousin one last scare with Jimmy himself standing in for the wax dummy. Watch. God. Oh my God. You guys are nuts. It's so bizarre. It is so crazy. Okay, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> and that's what happened while we were away. So, so Jimmy Kimmel still does actual like comedy, comedy. stuff. Comedy. Apparently. You buried you buried the lead there. Yeah, I, I I didn't know he still did stuff like that. Is that file footage from like nineteen ninety seven or two thousand and five? Is that that just recently aired? There were no juggies, so it can't go back that far. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Candid Co. It is that time of year again. Time to share the smiles and good times with friends and family, and of course, exchange those gifts. But how about you give yourself as a gift? I keep trying that with my wife, by the way, and. How's that working out for you? It hasn't worked yet, but I'm going to... We're on year 23, one of these days. It's going to work, okay? Uh, The gift of self-confidence. How do you get it? By having straighter, brighter teeth, and Candid can help you with that. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional wire braces, and treatment takes just six months on average, while costing 65% less. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan for you. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth are going to look when they're all done. Candid's aligners are also comfortable, removable, and completely invisible, and there's no hassle of going to an orthodontist office. Candid ships aligners directly to you. So give yourself the gift of Candid. Go to CandidCo.com, CandidCO, CandidCO.com slash TruthBombs. That's the promo code. Use code TruthBombs to get $75 off. CandidCoCO.com slash TruthBombs. That's CandidCo.com slash TruthBombs to get $75 off. In the overtime today, we're going to address 
the uh, naming of Greta Thunberg, the how dare you, uh, young lady, uh, as Times Person of the Year. Because it, it's an opportunity, I think, we need to reset how the worldview that is in control of the culture today sees children compared to the worldview that, that gave us the culture we used to have. Right, and we're gonna we're gonna have that conversation today in the overtime. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, good news for you. Just uh, hang around later this afternoon; it'll be posted up there after we tape it following today's show, uh, and then you'll get access to every other show that we do uh, on Blaze TV as well. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, if you want to treat yourself to something for Christmas or somebody else you love, uh, BlazeTV.com/days. BlazeTV.com slash days is how you can get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV so that you'll you'll make sure to catch today's overtime as well as all of the exclusive content we do each day at BlazeTV.com. But let's get to the other things in Aaron's rundown, shall we? That clip of the Inspector General and Ted Cruz. I don't even know... I do. It was then you a go. coup. I, I don't. I don't know what other reaction you would have to it than that. A an um of an altered, fraudulent form was used to obtain the warrants that gave birth to everything we have seen all these years. These last what now? All of twenty seventeen. All of twenty eighteen. It's almost the end of 2019, so three full calendar years. And this is all because of one altered, fraudulent form. wasn't done as a mistake. It was fraud. And I, I would like to be incensed by this, guys. I would like to be. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know what? They're, they're voting on that National Defense Authorization Act as we speak. They, they just voted to actually expand a lot of these uh, FISA courts recently. So Team GOP and the Trump White House, everybody's all in on this very, the, uh, is all in on the surveillance state. So I, I feel about this, this kind of goes to what, what I talked yeah. about in the overtime yesterday. This is your column. And I wrote the column for The Blaze this week. To me, I'm, this is beginning, this story is, is, is like Romney's candidacy in 2012. I, I cannot... I cannot want him to win more than he does. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if he's not willing to do what it takes to win, then, then I already don't like you. And I already know you don't like me. I already know you'll be of no use to me whatsoever while in office. And you already know you're going to look to, you're going to, look to shank people like me every chance you get, right? We already know that. So if, if, if we're now going to throw in, I'm not even going to really do what it would take to win, and I already know you winning doesn't really benefit me all that much. It, it, it causes me less pain. I, I would agree to that. It, it will cause me less pain, probably, but I, I don't necessarily get a, a, a tangible benefit from it. Well, then it, why do I care if you win if, if you don't, right? Right. Similarly here. Now, I have my issues with Donald Trump. I think he's turned out to be a far better president than Mitt Romney would have been. Although you have to understand where my expectations for a Romney presidency would have began. Now they were they were subterranean for this presidency. The the what's that thing is is it called the magma or the nickel core? You know when you go into the I forgot from the geology class quorum. when you go into like the you know the various layers. Okay, 
So my, my expectations for this presidency were, were subterranean, and they have, they have exceeded them. I, I will acknowledge that. So we're kind of at topsoil. Right? <laughs> That's maybe where I think the Trump presidency is, is topsoil, when I thought it was going to be subterranean. I thought a Romney presidency was going to be from, from MAGA to the magma. All right? We're, we're going to be like at the, the magma to the nickel to the core is where I thought a, a Romney presidency was going to be. Like he would, he would volunteer to make Arabic the official uh, language of the U.S. and you know, in, in order to be sorry for being successful, so um, he's a better president. So yeah, I'm I'm willing to put some effort into this, particularly when it's pretty obvious that if if they do this to him as a quote unquote outsider, they will attempt to do this to any quote unquote outsider that you will that you will try to put in there. Similar to the thoughts I had about Brett Kavanaugh, right? If they're going to do this to a complete bushy squish like this, what do you think they're going to do if you try to put, the, if, if you did try to put the next Antonin Scalia in there? What would they try to do then? Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I think Trump's been a better president than Brett Kavanaugh will turn out to be Supreme Court justice. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Anybody want to argue with me on that one? No. No. Okay. Um, so I, I, I would be happy to put in some like real effort. With with all this stuff now out in the open, like I talked about yesterday, I'm pretty in. I'm, I am. I'm pretty fired up about this. I w- I would love to be incensed and put in some real effort. Like you know, the arrest and indictments will continue until morale improves. Kind of, you know, that, that's what we do to traitors, right? Yeah. But but I, why should I care more than apparently he and his administration does? Do do we know? And I could have missed it. Do we even know the perpetrator's name? I don't know the name of the guy who for, who who, who the, the, uh, yeah, the, altered the document. Yes. I I don't know it. It should I, I can tell you what his name should be. Inmate four seven nine five. That that should be his name. Can I get a witness on that? Oh yeah. That that should be his name right now as we speak is what it ought to be. I mean, yeah. some kind of equivalent of this guy or gal being dragged by their hair on stage totally and agree. made an example. I like totally right agree. Yep. Now, yeah, faster than you can, faster than you can say, and reality winner. That's yeah. the problem I have with him spending his morning uh, tweeting about Thunberg. Not because you can, she's she's made herself game, but can you take care of first things first? Yeah, I, I, that's like I, yes, you, that's like your recreational tweet, not your first thing to do in the so, morning tweet. So why should I care more than he yeah. obviously does? Amen. I mean, if, if you had the power of the attorney general or the presidency and the U.S. Justice Department and people tried doing this to you, how oh, would you react? You know how I'd react. I mean, th- th- folks, the impeachment, I would, they would have to do impeachment charges against me for going way too far in how I would react to this. Okay? Like, I'm, I'm going to end up either assassinated by the deep state faster than you can, faster you can say grassy knoll or um, I'm, I'm going to be impeached. That's how I'm going to react. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to get... Squirrel, Greta Thunberg, squirrel, tweet. I, I, I just... No. So, again, tell me what the point of, of any of, of, of my disdain for what is an obvious attempt at a coup. Tell me, or, or any of yours, or anybody at this network, or any others, tell me what it would accomplish. Would it, would it, if, you, if you tell me that it, it would accomplish something, I have loads, loads of disdain because then, because there's also the part about this that I feel like I got duped the entire time. Right. And so when you, when you, you're at that point, when you feel, when you realize you, 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 
you're at the point now. You're, let me give the Harry Potter reference. Going to get emails this time. I'm, I'm Cornelius yeah. Fudge. Yeah. Holy crap, Voldemort just showed up in the vault, okay, or whatever that scene was there. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Um, and now I'm, now I'm like radicalized. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want to agree. I didn't want to admit this to myself. I, I mean, this is low-lying fruit. Come on. All right. Yeah, everybody blames. Everything goes bad on he who must not be named. Deep state, is yada, yada, whatever. But, but now that, you know, I just watched Voldemort, you know, fly out of here on a broom. Now I'm like, oh, hell no. Right? Now I'm like, I, I want to call like the, 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 the Ministry of Magic Seals. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, somebody, some, something must be done about this, like, stat. And everybody else is looking at me like, dude, we've been trying to tell you about this for the last three years, right? That's, I feel like that right now. And Aaron is so proud of you right now, well, as long as you're yeah. getting all the specifics the, correct. The, the heart of your analogy is, is right on the money. Yeah, I'm like, I'm ready now. I am ready. This is war, as far as I am concerned. For a guy I didn't even vote for and may not vote for again. <laughs> Because of just the sheer principle of what this is about. This isn't about him. It's about us. I know that. He is the proxy here for us. So I am ready to go to war. And we're like doing Greta Thunberg memes. So then why, why, why should I care more than he does? Can you, can riddle me this? Either one of you can, can you riddle that for me? Answer that question. Because the Democrats. This is guys, this is the. This is the flip side of the coin of little lefty college student saying government is the problem. Solution, we need more government. Right. That's exactly That's what has happened point. over the last yeah. 24 hours. Hey, uh, FISA abuse happened. It was, it was fraud that kicked off this multi – not to mention all of the millions of dollars that was spent, which is – a drop in the bucket, admittedly, of the federal government, and all of this time and attention and focus away from actually leading the affairs of the people and governing uh, over those affairs, all of that time was all because of a fraudulent report. Basically, that's, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what the inspector general said yesterday. And, that's, and, and we're going to go today and do, we want more of that? That's, that's guys, that's, that's the same thing. As every single leftist, government is the problem. Solution, we need more government. Uh, Trump's a fascist. Give him my guns. Yeah. Right? I can't. FISA abuse. FISA abuse. Let's expand the FISA courts. Yeah. So, okay. So, the offer is still on the table. When they start hauling people out in handcuffs, and we start seeing people share jail cells with Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort, I'm in. Okay? I'm all in on this. But until then, it's just political porn. That's, that's all that it is. That uh, Quinnipiac poll? My, my bad. My bad. I, my mea culpa. I said Buttigieg didn't register. He was so far down that I didn't even see him. My bad. He's at 2%. That's actually worse than your original answer. <laughs> when, yeah. when the correction is worse than the error. All right. Because first of all, it just draws back the point that, of where he's at. All right. So the, the, another way of saying this is he actually has, you know, twice the support that you gave him credit for. Yeah. He thought it was zero. It's 2%. Okay. But this, this is what's great. That yet again increases, not decreases his relevance because of what you came to terms with a couple weeks back about the existential nature of what we talked about it on our side. 
with, you know, what porn is a proxy for whatever debates going on between French and so on, mm-hmm. on their side, this is at the heart I, of what's I wholeheartedly going on. And that's why yep. his relevance is not going away because of the statistic. It's only becoming more interesting. You know, you, I think you, you, you jumped on my line assuming I that I was going to go there because I have gone there in the past. No, no. What, what I was actually going to do is root him on. Okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm in on this now. I mean, this, this, this is the political porn that I'm here for. Okay? Um, because this is... This is this 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 is going to bust a lot of things out into the open, and it ain't and it's not because Black America doesn't know who Pete Buttigieg is. And that's 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 not what it is, folks. It's not what it is. It's because they do, and that's that's what I'm here for. I am really? I am looking forward to seeing. White, uh, our new friend Christopher Hale. What did he call it? The White Woke Brigade. Right? Brigade is that what he called the it the other day? The Woke Scolds. Okay, I am looking forward to seeing the White Woke Brigade stand up and call black ministers who marched with Reverend King in the South a bunch of bigots. Come on, you can't tell me you don't want this show. You know. Are you not really? entertained? Hell yeah. Because I was... Re- Hell yeah. It hasn't even happened yet. I'm already entertained. I was reliably informed by a panel on CNN that uh, they're just mystified. It's mysterious. Just, it's an enigma. Just a damn mystery. Couldn't, I can't possibly fathom, sir, how this could be occurring. Oh, this this is, this is like when, you're, when you saw the, the you know, when, they were, when the lights dimmed... And the, the, the end game began and you knew it was going to be good. You just knew it was, you know, it, it was just a matter of how good it was going to be. Would it be transcendent? Would it be, wow, what a good way to end it. But you, you knew it could not be bad. You knew it was going to be good, right? Right. That's how I feel about this. All right. Worst case scenario, we just get a library of viral clips. We'll use the rest of our careers of white lefties calling black and brown clergy racist that we'll be able to exhaust for as long as this technology exists. And don't, don't think that I won't. <laughs> right? That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is Avignon papacy. Do you like the historical I reference do. there? I do. Total full on schism. And I'm here for it. Yes. Commence. Oh, schism. I cannot. Yes. Oh, yes. And that's, by the way, that is why you are seeing some lefties, including some rainbow jihadists. That's why they're going after Pete. Because remember, the number one cause for progressivism is what? Power and control. Whatever will give us power and control, they will use. They use this sort of immorality to deconstruct our morality and belief system, not necessarily because they're even supportive of this immorality. We had our marriage expert uh, on the show about a month ago pointing out where are marriage rates the highest right now in the culture? Those same white of, of affluent leftists who are constantly trashing marriage are more likely to be married and for longer, right? You pointed that out, that they don't actually live the values that they're exporting to the rest of us, okay? So 
um, because we're 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 the prolet, you know, we're the we're the we're the um, uh, bourgeois. Bourgeois, thank you. I, I almost said three different historical <laughs> proletariat, <laughs> bourgeois. Okay, all of them all at once, and then spontaneous, I was, yes, spontaneous. And I was combust. figuring out yeah. in real time, could I mold it into one word that I couldn't, and I just stalled. Thank you. So. They will filter this down to us so they can control us, right? Because when, pe- when we act out sexually, we have uh, unwanted pregnancies, right? Uh, dysfunction. We need more what? In all these cases, we think we need what, more what? Government. And government is ultimately a vehicle of what to them it is what? Of power and control. That's what they believe it is, okay? And so that's why they're attacking Pete. Because they know these numbers better than I do. They're aware of this better than I am. They're concerned he is going to be a threat to their base, to, to their coalitions. That's why, if you're wondering, he's not gay enough, right? We talked about him, was kind of, he was kind of the house homo last week. We had those stories, right, that came out. There's another story that's out about him right now, okay? I can't, I'm, they're going to continue. And it's because they know these numbers better than I do. This, this is their coalition. I've just been, I've been, I've seen it up close and personal from, from the other side of the equation, Okay, but this is their this is their homestead. They know this. They know this. That's why they've got to try. They're going to try to nuke him because you adapted to the darkness. They were born in it. Yes. Yes. They cannot. They they are worried he's going to risk blowing up this for all of the reasons I've been telling you about for the last couple of months. And so I am not surprised by any of these numbers. I told you months ago. I haven't been right about a lot where he is concerned. I will admit that Todd has. I mean, Todd's been riding him. Come on, I threw that out there. Nothing, really? Oh, I just now got it. Sorry. Right. I was homeschooled. All right, thank you. I, mean, uh, I was too proud. I missed it, too. I was too proud of my prognostication. Too, yes, yeah, you were, you were too busy uh, congratulating and now, yourself. And now I'm shocked, appalled, and I need therapy. All right. I mean, Todd's been riding that horse all year long. All right? Okay? And I, I've, I've, been, I've been slow to mount, I will admit. Okay? I've been slow to hop on. All right? <laughs> but I'm in deep right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, it was nice while it lasted, guys. <laughs> Merry Christmas to all of you. Okay. Not, might might not be back. I know I, I am I am a I am a vociferous endorser right now. And I'm gonna I am looking forward to seeing how they're gonna try to keep this down. Okay? Because oh it will be fun. I don't I don't know how much of next year is going to be fun because we're gonna get a ton of dumb. But if you were to come out of here winning Iowa and then just earnestly goes there ringing Salvation Army bells. All the way to South Carolina. Oh, oh yes. We we've got offices in Greenville. We might have to oh. go on location just to see see what that's like. Go visit some black churches in Greenville. Go, I mean, go talk to some of our brothers and sisters, right? On a Sunday morning. Hey, <laughs> Steve Day says, "What you doing to her?" <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I like that. What you doing? <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's it's quite astounding. It is it is astounding because his. As we, I just want to underscore basically this this conversation, if I can. His support is coming from um, white people. Yes, just 
straight white people. A hundred percent. Almost all straight because white people. He's not gay yep. enough for the gays. Yep. And he's too gay for those who actually care about that. The other yep. base of the Democratic, which is the big base of the Democratic the Party, black, which is brown black base. vote. Yep. And uh, so he's he's leading, but it's only beca- it's only because of white people projecting what they want to upon him. Yes, and he has no. He has like he's not like anybody's second choice. That's the other beauty of this. You either want this for all the reasons you've been telling us all year long, or you don't want any part of it. Like nobody's just like I don't know. Nope. No. I mean, you are, you're, you're either, I need America to know I'm, I'm ashamed to be heterosexual, right? You're either in that group or you're like, this guy has See, no chance to win. He's a podunk Mary. He's going to kill our caucus. Why are we even doing this? That's why okay? this is going to be so fascinating because you also just described Bernie Sanders, basically. Yes. So yeah. what's going to happen? Yes. They've got two insurgent candidates who are both not ironically, but cosmically. This is an irony. This is justice. They are both really the ultimate incarnation. Let's use that term, given the time of year we're in. They are both the ultimate incarnation of the complete and total rot gut horse manure that they have been trying to impose and import into this culture for for decades, since the 60s. And one is a is a Soviet, and the other is the is the cultural rot gut. And, 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 and but but they're the aren't they really the two pillars? Yeah, just and, completely abandon Judeo-Christian morality and, and then completely abandon and, the constant the limited government of the Constitution. Yeah, right? it's it's either Moscow or Berkeley, and it's packaged on top of that. What you just did, it's packaged in a white male. Yes, and now they're going to pretend like they didn't tell us that this is what they wanted all these years, and then try to hide it when it's out in the open. I look forward to seeing them try. Back here on the Steve Day Show, and all of us use cell phones, and all of you that are listening to and watching our show right now are paying way too much to use it if you're not using Patriot Mobile. So then you say, hey, I I trust those big mobile phone companies, but why? Because did you know that all the carriers pretty much use one of the same four towers? That's why they're running ads right now, that their, their networks are just as good as their competitors, but they're offering it to you cheaper. All right. So if, if these companies are pretty much all using the same towers, they pretty much all have the same networks. What's the difference? Well, here's what it is. It's what they do with your money after you give it to them. All right. A lot of these major corporations, like a lot of major corporations nowadays, are helping to fund and subsidize the rot gut that Aaron highlights in his montage on a daily basis here to start off the show. And that's what sets Patriot Mobile apart. It's the only conservative veteran led mobile phone company out there. So you get the same 4G LTE coverage everybody else gives you, but without um, investing in the values that uh, that are trying to uh, defeat what you believe. And plans starting as low as $25 a month, so why not make the switch? In fact, right now, if you go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze and use the promo code ZFREE, promo code ZFREE at patriotmobile.com slash blaze, all right? Promo code ZFREE, you get a free Moto Z3 play when you make the switch right now, when you make the switch. Promo code ZFREE at PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. Promo code ZFREE to get the the free Moto Z3 play for free right now at PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. 
Our good friend Billy Hallowell joining us now from Pure Flakes. Good to see you, Billy. Merry Christmas. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas. We thought it'd be fun just to have you on for a few minutes here as we get ready to wind down the year on the Steve Day Show and kind of look back at the year in faith and what were some of the major trending stories in, in this arena and, and really what it may or may not tell us corporately about where we are as a culture. And I could run down a list of things that stand out to me, but then I could just do this without you. So I'm far more interested in, in what, what stood out to you. What, what did you see as some of the major trend lines that we should be discussing in, in the faith world and American culture here in 2019? You know, I think the big, the biggest story is where evangelicals are on Trump, and that's been the story for for years now, right? But I think seeing Paula White and her position now um, in the White House, seeing the the different views on the prosperity gospel and, and Paula White and those who are coming around her, seeing the lines blur between people like Franklin Graham and his friendship with Paula White, and then really seeing collectively where are evangelicals going in 2020 when it comes to Trump. And it's a complicated story. I think we see a lot of people out there who were never Trump, who have become pro-Trump, um, or at least tolerating Trump in the evangelical world. We see um, a lot of people who are still staying never Trump. And so that's that's going to be a big story over the next 12 months. But I think it was interesting to watch it evolve this year. And it's something that that I've struggled with as an evangelical um, and, and looking at not just Trump, but everyone else on the other side, right? If it's not going to be Trump, it's going to be someone else. And so when you have these two options and you're looking at what that crop looks like, um, and then you have things, and this, I guess, leads into another story uh, kind of attached to that, like Chick-fil-A and that whole spectacle happening, uh, which is another big, I think, faith story for a lot of reasons this year. There's a lot to consider there. Uh, let's start with the first one that you brought up. Um, what I have found fascinating and disturbing, I think, uh, and, and I say this as someone that has worked full-time in politics for more than a decade, both on the air, in campaigns, as an organizer, as an activist, as a, as a consultant. I mean, I've, 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 done, I've, I've, I've done everything. Actually, I was a candidate. I did run for the chairman of my local Republican Party for a day, okay? But that wasn't really serious. <laughs> so, I mean, I've done everything you can do in politics, from canvasser to I've got the ear of the actual candidate running for national office. I've done it all, covered it, except be the candidate himself. All right. And put it on your bucket list. That's uh, what you gotta, you gotta do now. Well, I'm going to need to get, um, either di- direct divine revelation to me, my wife or both probably to pull that one off because she's about sick of it. <laughs> but, uh, um, what I find fascinating is the, the inability of people to, to, Take this transactionally, meaning I, I, you know, I used to hear from people that wanted to, to support sell out GOP candidates and primaries. Like Richard Land used to tell me stuff all the time like, um, well, we're not hiring a pastor, Dave. I, I totally agree with that. By the way, we're not. Right. Okay. But, um, but then what would happen is when, when, when somebody terrible like John McCain got the nomination, who's just terrible, pro-choice, he was pro, didn't want to reverse Roe v. Wade, terrible. That's why originally James Dobson said he didn't, wouldn't support him if he was the nominee and then changed his mind. All right, if you want to say, why don't we just say stuff like, you know, man, I disagree with John McCain on 14 different things, but he's not a communist and that's what Barack Obama is. Instead, mm-hmm. suddenly we told the truth about John McCain until he clinched the number of delegates to, Clint, to become the GOP nominee. And now suddenly 
um, you know, he's the one who looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Everything changes. Everything. Ch- <laughs> I used to call it the magic R, the minute. And Abraham and Abraham became a Republican. And it was credited him righteousness, Billy. And, and the, you know, the, the, the same thing with Romney and now the same thing with Trump. I, and, and, and it's the same reaction. And you mentioned Franklin Graham. Suddenly now, uh, Paula White's not a heretic. Yes, she is. She's a heretic. Right. That's it doesn't what she change. Is. Yeah, it doesn't the reality change. doesn't right? change. And, right. and, and, and by the way, I see this on the other side. Like, I, got, I, see, I, I, I've, I think three times this year we asked Beth Moore to come on this show. I mean, she's someone I've, I mean, my wife's been through tons of her Bible studies and things over the years, like a lot of evangelical women have, but she's out there, I think, frankly, slandering the brethren. And I hate, I don't use that term lightly by claiming there's all kinds of white nationalism and American evangelicalism. I don't know. I don't, I don't really see it. I, I, I'm maybe, maybe, you know, bubble the love sponge at, uh, the, we still handle uh, snakes fundy church in a town. No one can produce or, or, or pronounce Mississippi that has seven people that go there. Maybe you found that guy, the Twitter egg with his nine followers, but there is not like some mainline acceptance of white nationalism within evangelicalism. She right. never provides any specifics and she just goes out there and kvetches. And that to me is the opposite of what a Franklin Graham does, but it's, but it all also is about you let you're letting Trump determine your view of your faith and your brothers and sisters in the faith and the church. Well, and whether it's Graham or Moore, they're both making the same mistake as far as I'm concerned. I was just going to say that's the challenging thing right now is you have people who are exchanging truth for a lie and they're either going all against Trump, all for Trump. And the reality is the situation is complicated. To your point about telling the truth, if you're an evangelical, if you're a Christian, your first responsibility is to Christ and to God and to your faith. It's not to a political party. And so it's not to a politician. And so to suddenly reframe your entire argument around either being, you know, a never Trumper or a pro Trumper, right. everything becomes MAGA or anti MAGA instead of truth. Just be truthful. And like you're saying, it's a transaction. You can say, I don't like these 25,000 things about Trump, but I think it's better that he doesn't want, you know, abortion at any point in pregnancy. Doesn't I think want to put that- me in jail for my faith or shut my business right. down because of what I believe leave. Right. Right. So why, right. Why can't we be honest? And that's been my biggest struggle. I have struggled so much in the last two years as I've watched people and people will say, you know, you need to be a fruit finder. The the pro Trump people are always coming after me. You need to be a fruit finder. You're always criticizing. It's like, I'm not always criticizing. I'm happy to say he's done something well when he has. And I've done that. But when, when you're calling people horse face and doing these other things, you're going to get called out for it because it's not appropriate. Not only is it not befitting of a president, it's actually not appropriate on any level, especially for Christians. We should be saying, hey, you know what? Especially when we're aligning and praying over this person and we're there and we're the, the image is that he is the face of you know evangelicals. And we know that's not the case. At, on the flip side, to be trashing him all the time endlessly mm-hmm. a la CNN um, is, is also in a, inappropriate and not right. So we've got to find that middle ground. And I think that's the big story. When you ask what the biggest story is, it's a story that's still being written. And that's where our evangelical is going to go in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months here. You used to work here. So, you know, that, you know, this can be a faith diverse audience, right? You know, I'm, I yep. wear my evangelicalism on my sleeve, but my editor here to my right, he's a Catholic. You know, we've got a large LDS audience, a large Jewish audience, and I'll get emails from our LDS or Jewish or Catholic viewers and listeners who are, who are constantly perplexed at why evangelicals are struggling with what you're 
what you and I are talking about. Where they, why can't they just say, "Hey, I'm glad the the unemployment rate's low, and uh, um, I I don't want uh, you know Medicare for all, so I'm going to vote for Trump." Why? Why does this have to be? Is he Nebuchadnezzar? Is Nebuchadnezzar bad? Is he good? Uh, is he Samson? <laughs> why does this have to be some is metaphysical equation? And I, I and I don't know the answer to this, but in the end, I think. When the rea- maybe our base just needs to be told that yeah. every Republican is a hero. Maybe maybe they can't just say, "Hey, this is the best oil change place in town." And I know the guy's got a nose ring, but you know, and I witness to him for that, you know. But because uh, chances are he's probably not next to you in church on Sundays. But they do the best job changing your oil in town. Why, why do our people need the hero? Why do they need it? I have a theory, and yeah. I could be wrong. My my theory on this has been that it's a lack of faith, that I think for too long in American politics, we're doing exactly what I've always criticized the left for doing, and I've fallen into this trap too. It's assuming that just because this person has an R after their name or just because they're a conservative or they claim to be that they are suddenly the end-all be-all. We're putting our faith in man, not in God, and so we lead with that. Whether it's going pro or anti, we put our faith in, in the temporal and what's yep. happening in front of us. And I think... If we're going to criticize Time magazine for choosing young Greta and we're going to go after all these people for obsessing over the earth and all these other things, well, then we've got to look at ourselves because I think we're doing the same thing with politics. And for too long, we've done it on the right. And now I think you're seeing a reaction among some former Republicans where they're actually just so turned off to that. And so we got to put our faith where it matters. I, I think that's the root cause, not to oversimplify it, but I really do. You know me, I love to oversimplify things. So <laughs> I, I've explained it to our non-evangelical audience, and you tell me if you think this is fair, that this is really the first TBN presidency. That, that's what this is, all right? And so if you're Jewish, Catholic, LDS, you don't, you don't have a clue what TBN is. If I told you, though, it's that channel where the chick looks like she lost the fight with the paintball gun in her hair, oh, right? No. then you would know. <laughs> Okay. And, and like, they don't watch that stuff. So they don't know. And, and for every, every episode of a D James Kennedy's archives highlights from, you know, before he passed away before to get one hour of that, you have to go through nine hours of Creflo dollar and Benny Hinn sowing a seed, (laughs) like the language of fruit finder. That's, right. that's the, that's right. TBN lingo. Okay. Exactly. And that, and the idea of, you know, uh, uh, earthly kingdoms and the molding of that into, and, and earthly wealth and materialism. And we measure ourselves by that. And every time, you know, Brad Stein used to do a great bit, uh, you know, pointing out that Catholics see Mary everywhere and Protestants see devil, the devil everywhere. And that, um, you know, Oh man, the devil's after me and I lost my job. No moron. You showed up late three days in a row and didn't bother right. to call ahead right. of time. That's why you lost There's your not job. There's a demon behind every doorway. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. Every yes, time exactly. Trump fails, every time there's a bad story, it's some demonic attack. All right. And and I and I think that we're seeing because where does where did Paula White make her millions? Where did she become a household name? This is, I think you're uh, America's watching something that's you that we have been sort of cringing in our own subculture about for many, many years, and now it's come above board mainstream. This is the first TBN presidency. There is some orthodoxy there, but in and around digging through that orthodoxy, man, you've got to find a lot of uncut gems, brother, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I do. And I think to add on to that, you also have the fact that let's not let's not mistake the people on the other side. You're looking at candidates. We've seen a million debates now with the Democrats and their agenda is extreme on abortion in particular. And we know this. We don't have to keep litigating it. It's abortion up to birth. There's only one candidate out of a million running who can say that they don't believe that abortion should happen through practically birth. Um, And so you're seeing the reaction to that. Everything you just said and what I said before that mixed with the fact that you have you already know 
who Trump is. We knew it before he won. He's been pretty consistent, actually, with who he is throughout. You know what you're getting with Trump. It's inconsistency. It's chaos. But it's a good economy and somebody who doesn't enjoy abortion through birth. And on the other side, what we're getting is something that America has never seen. You've even got Obama saying, hey, guys, calm down. Let's right. not be this crazy. Right. And so – that is that is basically it's energizing everybody to look past all of the horrible things about Trump and to say, you know what, this might be better than the craziness that we might get over there. Right. Because this to me is not even a lesser of two evils argument now. Basically, Trump is like, I'm just kind of a run of the mill politician right. with with the baseline deception and corruption that you guys have been used to for centuries and people have still gotten rich off of people like me and the other side is literally reenacting the, the sequel to the musical reds i mean this is literally like a soviet invasion and we bernie sanders up there he's bernie sanders is five seconds away from going khrushchev at his next speech and and pounding a shoe into the lectern all right we've you know pete Buttigieg is up there literally trying to co-opt christianity with arguments that got rob bell laughed off the stage i, I mean that's what the democratic party is and so if you're like i don't know you know kind of the typical things i don't and do like about a politician that's been going on since time immemorial that's trump versus um you know uh you know uh, the hammer and the sickle instead of the holly and the ivy this time of year for a lot of people i i explained this to a producer at msnbc who's working on a documentary about this who called me a month, a month ago and and she didn't i said the formula is really just that simple all right you guys want to invade us that's it that's the you know don't 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 declare war on us and there'd be less evangelical support for trump it's really just that simple well, it is. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and you, you also have to remember, I think any Christian watching, you know, demographics are changing. The country's changing. We know this. We've been talking about it for years. When I was the faith editor over there, we would cover it. And, you know, the Pew Research Center is telling us 65 percent of Americans say they're Christians now. That's down from 78 percent in 2007. Um, and we know that a good chunk of the 65 aren't really Christians, but they're saying they are. Um, and that means that we have fewer people seeing the social benefits of being a Christian because the social benefits are melting away. Mm -hmm. And I think the Democratic crop shows us that. So there's a lot coming down the pipeline that I think we've got to consider um, as we move into 2020. And I think a lot of it actually is going to help propel, at least among the right, Trump a little bit more because of these dynamics. We've talked a ton on our show recently about Chick-fil-A. So we've only got a few minutes left. Let's and let, let's go with a really let's go with a positive angle. What did you see was the most positive development in 2019 for the year in faith, Billy? Man, the most positive development. Um, you know, I would actually say, and I think it came out of the Chick-fil-A drama. So I won't, we, we've already talked about the drama. We know the drama. I think there are a lot of people in this country, a lot of Christians in this country, who are praying and hoping for revival. And I think there are a lot of other people who say we can never have a revival because people have a certain interpretation of what will happen. You know, you can talk about the end times and all that, what will happen in the Bible, that we're going to go down this slippery slope, things are going to be terrible. But I think there's a real belief and a real passion that there can be a revival. And those things are not mutually exclusive, that there is a move. You've got Kanye West. And I think it's healthy to be skeptical of all these things. But I spent a lot of time talking with the pastor who's been working with Kanye. We have a lot of private conversations. I've had him on my podcast. And and I think we're seeing people like Justin Bieber, Kanye, and we can't put their, our faith in them. It's the same thing as the political issues we've talked about, mm -hmm. not putting our faith in politicians. But in the fact that there are people who are changing on an international stage and we are praying and hoping that they're continuing to change and that there are a lot of people on a micro level who in their communities want to see these changes happen. So I actually think that we are ripe for 
revival and to see a lot of people come to faith in this country. Because when push comes to shove, when you're up against a wall, when culture is unfriendly to you, that's when Christianity historically does really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. Yep. Look what happened to Christians there. So I think that's another big story coming out, watching these bigger things like Kanye, but that there's actually a smaller impact happening in communities around the country. Great stuff, uh, my friend. How can folks follow your work, by the way? You can head over to billyhollowell.com. You can also go to insider.pureflix.com, and I've got a lot of daily content over there. Always good to see you, man. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry All right? Christmas. We'll catch up again in 2020. Any quick thoughts on the conversation we just had with Billy Hallowell? Yeah, when he said uh, the people on the right are not doing what people on the left have been doing for a long time, that resonated with me in that a lot of— Like uh, dueling political cults, basically? Well, yeah, we think now as Christians, and you, it speaks to what you said about evangelicalism, we think we, we corporately just think we're better now. We're not. We're the same as that. We're we're better off as people yeah. of faith, but we're not better. Yeah. And that cancer is getting inside it's an of important us. Important distinction. And I know yeah. we all are prideful. We've talked about this, Steve. We got to make yeah. sure that we don't just say you're lesser than me. You're not. And we, we that's toxic. We would not be the first era of God's covenant people to make the mistake of believing because we're special. God chose us, exactly. as opposed to understanding that because God chose us, we're special. That's it. That 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 error has been made before, right? What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I, as far as the last thing, um, the the last thing that we talked about go, goes, you know, with uh, some of these unlikely people maybe having their own personal revival. Um, I just want to echo something you said off the air sometime. That totally fits in with the history of how God uses people. It's the people you least expect right. in history that God has used in the greatest way. Well said. We'll come back. Some Theology Thursday. The five myths of Christmas. We'll tackle them one by one. Next. And we're back at it with hour number two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Merry Christmas to all of you. And that's going to be the focus of our Theology Thursday here in a moment. Uh, Totters and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. 888-900-3393, that's the number here uh, to Blaze TV. Uh, and radio, that's uh, also where you can reach out and, and let our production crew down in Dallas, who we probably would find sleeping since uh, they're bored by us on a daily basis. Just give them a call and wake them up for us if you wouldn't mind. Steve at stevedace.com. Ron, Ron was mad. I made Ron mad. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email it, uh, the program. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, although it's very unlikely that we'll ever find out you did. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up uh, later here in the hour, some three non-political questions courtesy of Aaron. But I like to do this every year um, because we get fed a lot of myths uh, this time every year by both the, the, the left and some even some on the right. And um, this is an excellent opportunity for us to have a worldview conversation with themes we talk about all year long, but in a different context, in a different package, and at a time of year when more people are going around and not even maybe even realizing it, but subconsciously humming singing lyrics and songs that have deep, deep theological meaning. 
and and frankly have deeper theological meaning than the theology gets taught in too many of America's churches nowadays, to be brutally honest. All right? You you really would learn. And there was a study came out a few years ago that showed that the longer you tend to stay in an American seminary, the less likely <laughs> you are to believe the Bible. All right. You would you would probably learn far more about real Christian orthodoxy from just studying the lyrics. I can give you four or five songs off Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Joy to the World, Hallelujah, uh, Mary, Did You Know? I could just give you four or five Christmas songs off the top of my head. Oh, Come, Oh, Come, Emmanuel, we'll throw that in the group, where you would learn more Christian orthodoxy and, and learn truly what it means to have a saving faith from just understanding the, those lyrics and what they mean than you would probably from getting a degree in the vast majority of seminaries in America today. Like I'll, I'll have somebody who's a real smarty pants every now and then will email me and say, hey man, you guys are out there talking theology on your show. Now we're always up front. We're, we are knowledgeable laymen, but we're laymen, right? We're, we're, we are learned laymen, which is why some topics we get asked about and stuff, we feel like maybe we're not qualified to get into. We okay. both stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last yes. night. Yes. Yeah, but this is, you know, this is meant to be accessible. The, the top-line basics of Christianity are meant to be accessible, for it doesn't get any more accessible than the God of the universe putting himself in human form to make himself so. Does it get any more accessible other than, I can touch the hem of his garment? Is it any more accessible than that? No. This is meant to be accessible. It doesn't mean there's not deep truths and mysteries to Christianity. And but can I say sure. that's in terms of laymen though, you often use in a world where the so called experts on all sides of things have gone mad, I mean yes. was it wasn't Amos like a goat herder? Yes. I mean sometimes he uses God the simple says, things right, of this world to confound the calling the wise. you out of the bullpen. Right. Yeah. And I think that's you know, um so we, but where'd you go to seminary? I've been asked before. I went to the same seminary the apostles went to. I just opened up the word, man. They they went they 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 walked they were with the word and I just opened the word up. That's what I did, and you can do it too. All right. So you know I don't know the I don't know everything in the original Greek. I am I'm I'm you know uh, I'm I'm not Augustine, although I've read him too. Okay, but um, this is this is meant to be accessible on a on a on a relational level. And then of course, if you want to go deeper. And you want to truly be a formal teacher and understand the deeper truths at stake here? That does, I don't deny that requires training. But that, that, that training comes from, uh, from the Word and from the Holy Spirit, not from you. Now, you can be a vehicle of those things, but, but, but you're not training me. You're not the Word made flesh. All right? and, and so when we come to a thing like Christmas, and especially in this Internet age where we can all share our ignorance— and then be like really proud of it at the same time, you know? Oh man, there's so much kind of, so many contradictions in the Bible, he says, with, with great conviction. Well, we'll, we'll name one. I mean, there's so many, just, just tell, me, tell me which one's on your mind right now. And maybe we can address it. I'm not saying there's not, but you're the one throwing out there the, this, this great boisterous claim. Okay, well, you know, name the one, name one, and let's address it then. And you'll notice that the conversation tends to shut down at that point, or they just go to their next. I've watched this on on a YouTube special that has three million views. Okay, only read the red letters of the Bible. This is not new. That, that was the Jesus seminar stance in the '90s, where a bunch of Ivy League lefties got together that were in the, running the seminaries in the Ivy League and had a had their own conclave. Like main, the good the good non Catholic mainline Protestants they are, they got together had their own conclave. <laughs> 
Uh, Their smoke was rainbow colors. Yes, and they came out and they told us that the only thing that they can rely on in the Bible that's true is what's in the red letter. And that's where this phrase red letter Christians came from. Unless if Jesus didn't really say it, then we don't know. Well, how do you know Jesus really said that then? How do you know that? that You, you, You don't know anything. You're just literally making this up. Now, those guys all know more Greek and everything else than I do. But they don't know the Lord. So they don't know what they're talking about. They got a lot of facts, not a lot of truth. So I want us to spend some time here on Theology Thursday because it gives us an opportunity to use Christmas to have a larger conversation. Five myths we're going to tackle surrounding um, Christmas that we hear this time of year. Are you guys ready? Let's tackle these one by one. Here's the very first one. All right. Myth number one, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were immigrants slash refugees when they fled Herod. All right. I, there will be a lot of Catholic parishes and, and that will say this this time of year. Yes. There will be a lot of United Methodist churches that will say this this time of year. All right. They're usually the ones, by the way, you want to visit this time of year because they have the really cool live nativity scenes. Just don't like listen to any of the teaching, but take your kids <laughs> to see the animals. That's cool. All right. So don't, don't like listen to anything over the loudspeakers, you know, talk over all of that, okay, while the person is sitting there uh, eating with, um, uh, you know, a, a biodegrade, biodegradable recyclable forks, you know, for the climate, okay? But, but definitely take your kids to see the animals. We did when they were little. That was really cool, right? But the theology's warped, okay? So here are some historical facts. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were not immigrants or refugees when they fled Herod. Oh, you want more? Okay. So, um, as Luke Skywalker once said to Kylo Ren, fascinating. Everything you just said was exactly wrong. Even if it was going to be close to right, wouldn't it have to be in reverse? Wouldn't they have to be coming from Egypt to Egypt? Yes. Yes. Okay. Egypt and Nazareth and Bethlehem and the area that they refer to in order to, uh, because Alexander the Great gave it this name, and they would do this to demean the Jews, Palestine, they would use the Alexander the Great name, okay? All of these were territories and provinces under Roman control. All of them were. So let me make a pop culture analogy that I think a lot of our audience will understand. When, When the Dukes, had to had to flee Boss Hog. You know where I'm going with this? No, but I, I mean, okay. I love a Christmas Dukes of Hazzard an analogy just like the rest of the yes. population. Kids, my name's Joe Biden. Come sit on my lap <laughs> while I spin you a tale of the, of, 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 of the Dukes of Hazard Christmas. Yes. Hey, nice cutoffs, kid. No, that's not me. All right, that's uh, the, the potential Democratic nominee for president, but thank you. Um, but when the Dukes had to flee... Roscoe, Pico, Train, and Boss Hog, right? Uh, They'd often go to like the next county. Now, why would they go there? Because that wasn't wasn't the jurisdiction of Boss Hog. Now, it still, though, was within the state of Georgia, right? Yes. And it was still a member of the United States of America, these United States, right? Yes. Okay. So when they went... I don't, you know, Fulton County, I think is where, I only know a couple of counties in Georgia, okay? So Fulton County is where Georgia or where Atlanta is, okay? So I'm just going to go with that and I'll just make up a name for another one. So let's say Boss Hog was in charge of Fulton County 
And to flee Boss Hog, they jump in the, the, the General Lee and they're going, you know, ungodly speeds down dirt roads to escape Roscoe and Boss Hog. And they go to Cobb County next door. All right. Um, um, were they refugees in Cobb County? Were they refugees when they, when they went one, one county over? Were they refugees? No. No. Um, that's how, were they immigrants? No. Because they were still under the jurisdiction of the state of what? Georgia. Georgia. And therefore, they were also still under the jurisdiction of the United States of America, in which Georgia is a part, correct? correct. All right. So that's why, that's why they could jump in the General Lee and just, they could just drive there. They could just get in the car and drive down the road. Plus, they're the Duke boys. They wouldn't change if they could, Steve. <laughs> no, that's right. There's some good old boys, right? Okay. That's why they could just jump in there and drive and get up and sometimes the middle of the night, right? They hear Ross go, damn Dukes, damn Dukes. They hear that someone woke him up in the middle of the night. They could just jump in the General Lee and just drive on over to Cobb County. Didn't need any papers. They could just go because it was all under one jurisdiction. Similarly, that is why Joseph could just get up and leave Nazareth and go all the way over to Bethlehem outside of Jerusalem because he was a member of the same of the tribe of David in order to go to the census. That's why he could just get up and go because it was all under the same government jurisdiction. And it's also why he could just get up and take his family to Egypt. Apparently, you guys never saw, that are peddling this, you never saw uh, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor in the Cleopatra movie, where I believe he, is he plays Caesar or Mark Antony? I can't remember which it is, okay? Um, but, you know, um, Rome had control of, it, of Egypt. That's why they could get up and go. All right, that, that they weren't immigrants and they weren't refugees. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bible says, there is no Bible verse that says, treat immigrants and refugees like scum. There's no Bible verse that says that. In fact, all the Bible verses on that topic say the opposite of that, okay? We're not to treat refugees and immigrants as, as beneath us, all right? Which doesn't translate to give them all your stuff. But that's, that's also not what it means. That doesn't mean that they just get, you know, they get to squat on your land. And no, that doesn't mean that either. Okay. Uh, and, and use the system to impose their values on you. It doesn't mean that either. Okay. The shibboleths are now desolate. Yes. Have I, have I got them all? Yes. Have I got them all? Is there, are there any left? So I, everybody's wrong on this. Everybody is wrong. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus weren't immigrants and they weren't refugees. All right. They were under the jurisdiction of the Roman government, as were the territories of Bethlehem, as, were the ter- as, as was the nation of Egypt, and that's why they could get up and go. Herod was the boss hog of that area, all right? He was the tetrarch. He was um, of, of, of Rome. He was the Idiomian that was in charge. Idiomian means descendant of, of, is another name for Edomite. That was the term of that era, all right? So a, a descendant of, of, um, of, of, uh, of Esau, right? So I think we've destroyed that one. Don't let anybody tell you this is this one gets peddled a lot this time of year. It's 100% not true. Let's go to myth number 2. Jesus came to live with the marginalized. That's if if we were a real politifact, you know, not like, you know, an arm of the DMC, DNC pretending to be one. If we were a real politifact, we would we would rate this partially true this is our new friend christopher hale's yes, take which is why i chose to put this in 
uh, in here because he dropped some of these in our conversation. But if I chased every one of those rabbit trails, we would not have, never have gotten to the heart of the matter. And one of several of you have suggested we like have do like a separate two hour podcast with him sometime that actually would be fascinating and that, and that would give us more time to explore some of these maybe that would be like a, our version of a ukrainian special like what, what glenn does around here is if we just brought him in no time limit within reason and we were able to explore all of these various rabbit trails okay but um that's partially true all right but one of the things you see with with progressives and christianity is they they tend to do the opposite of what they have like their own prosperity gospel, but it's 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 the poverty gospel, right? These again are both canards. Because you're wealthy doesn't mean you've been blessed by God. It is easier to for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But similarly, just because you're poor doesn't mean that that you have a special place in the kingdom of God either. You know, a lot of those people that got up after Jesus fed the 5,000, you know why he had to feed all those people? Because they didn't have their own what? Food. Food. Which meant, they were, were they probably rich or poor? Probably all of them. Poor. Poor, at least the vast majority of them, right? So that's why he had to feed them. That's why he took pity on them, okay? And, 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 and he filled their bellies and then offered them real spiritual food. And then what did many of them do with full bellies? When their bellies were full, what did many of them do? Left. Yeah. They took off. They were fine with their bellies being full. They took off when it was time for real spiritual nourishment, the stuff of eternity. Jesus came to free the marginalized. He came to be with them to free them. But they weren't simply marginalized. Some, some people were marginalized because of their place in Roman society. Rome could be a very oppressive society. That's why it, with its own hierarchy and the highest place was Roman citizenship. And the closer you were to Caesar, to being a friend of Caesar— the more power you had, which is why when the religious council looks at Pontius Pilate and says, you know, you're no friend of Caesar if you won't kill this Jesus for us, he knew what that meant, that they were going to try and ruin his place in Roman society if he didn't follow through, right? They, they knew that. And, he, and the reason he had been banished to this province historically is because he was already, he, had a, had a, he was on pretty shaky ground with, with the emperor of Rome already. All right, so this was this was his version of academic probation was getting put in here into this into this powder keg, so he needed to manage this and keep things under wraps. So Jesus didn't just come to be with the marginalized or live with them; he came to free them. But marginalization was not simply a social construct, but a but a but a result of our fall, the result of our sin. Okay, both the sin we inherit and then the sin we do has marginalized us. So go back to what I said last hour with, my, with our buddy Billy Hallowell, the old Brad Stein bit, that Catholics see Mary everywhere and Protestants see the devil everywhere. Oh, man, the devil's on me. You know, I've, you know I, this heavy burden, I lost my job. No, you marginalized yourself, bro, because you were late for work three days in a row. You know, we had this conversation yesterday with our son Noah. He wanted to pretend like he was a victim because he didn't get a good score in a science test. I, of course, talked to a science teacher because I'm not taking his word for it. He didn't, do, he didn't do what he was asked. So we called him in yesterday when I got home from work and Amy and I read him the riot act. You're no victim. You did the test. This is your grade. The wages of sin is death. That's what you earn. So marginalization doesn't, it can come in the form of, a, of, of societal oppression. There is no denying that. 
And we have all kinds of examples of that throughout the course of human history, right? But why do we have those examples? Because we are fallen. That's why. We, it, it, the reason why we have so many examples of societal oppression is because we seek to oppress. And why do we seek to oppress? Because we're fallen. We're sinners. We, we, we want to dominate rather than love our neighbor. That's why. Jesus doesn't command us to dominate our neighbor. We will just do this on our own. That's why we're commanded to love our neighbor. So this is partially true. But if you go, if you, if you read the Gospels in a chronological order, the first public sermon Jesus gives right out of the, of the, of the wilderness is in the Gospel of Luke. And he shows up for, for synagogue. And he is handed the scroll to read that day at church. And he opens it up, and the Bible doesn't tell us whether he chooses that or whether that just so happened to be the, 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 what they were reading and studying that day at, 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 at synagogue. We don't know the answer to that. But whatever the answer is, he opens it up and begins reading, and it's the scroll of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he begins to talk about to bring sight to the blind, to mend the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Meaning, he's just not coming uh, to have, you know, for some vow of poverty and dilapidation or degradation. He's coming to set the people that are caught in this free of this so that they may have life and life abundantly. Any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Well, you're basically talking about making poverty an idol. And it can. I mean, we are living in more prosperous times than ever before. And it, things like poverty are being used, wielded as a weapon right. now, a rhetorical weapon, because it is taking, uh, it is making that the thing that is uh, worshipped. It's, it's what I said earlier uh, in the show about how you're not special just because you are this. To worship God, you might empty yourself out through poverty, uh, but it's, it, 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 it basically gets things backwards. The same, the same um, rich tyrant who lords over his wealth and takes advantage of those he views as beneath him uh, is going to hell, that doesn't repent of that, is going to hell, as is the crack whore who keeps having kids out of wedlock yeah. in order to serve her habit, okay? And abandoning those children to squalor and suffering without being a true mom. Both of them, will see each other. They, they may never pass each other in the streets or the halls of power and the, and the streets this side of earth or this side of, 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 of east of Eden. But they'll see each other, they'll both see each other in hell and suffer eternal separation and torment just the same. There isn't a group identity in right. Christianity except for whether or not your sins have been forgiven through Christ. That's the only group identity, Aaron. Yes, and as the world and the culture becomes more and more secular, we abandon any notion of the greatest good for our lives being reconciliation with our maker. Instead, the greatest good in our life is just reconciliation to whatever, and reconciliation in this particular context means equality. I, I want to have an equality of outcome. That, that's what this is basic. That's, that's the heart behind this. It is not that the greatest good is being reconciled with your with your with your father, so the greatest good is that you can you can have stuff and be something. That's that's not that 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 is antithetical. And what you just said, and kind of uh, in passing there near the end of of that soliloquy, is is the bottom line, which is there is no hyphenated Christianity. There's nothing like right. that. I'm not a poor Christian. I'm not a rich Christian. It is Christian. Yep. 
There's neither slave nor free, yep. male or female, Jew or Gentile. There's one Lord, one baptism. That's it. That's it. You're either in the covenant or you are not. It's very cut and dry. All right. So whether you are the the evil the CEO dumping your your waste into the water table and polluting people and never repent and make up and 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 show penance for that and never ask Christ to forgive you for that and all your other sins or you're one of the lowly people in that crap kicker town that drank that poison water all right and was victimized by that guy but then you went home and you beat your wife and kids okay if you both don't repent God is no respecter of persons you will both find out what hell is like period Christmas myth number three. Santa Claus is a secular co-opting of Christmas. Now, last week, we actually just celebrated St. Nicholas Day. Okay? Now, this is, there is some truth to this. Okay? Um, when, when Santa Claus was created in a commercial sense, based on the, you know, the legend of St. Nicholas... You know, and, and this really dates back to Coca-Cola commercials and their earliest advertising. C. Clement Moore's The Night Before Christmas, late 19th, early 20th century is where we get a lot of our modern day commercial notions of the caricature of Santa Claus. Okay. Um, it, was, it was meant to be a secular manifestation of the Christmas holiday, not a replacement of it. Similar to how I've talked before that Superman was created intentionally as, um, you know, a caricature of, of a mosaic deliverer, a, a Christ-like secular messiah. And his story and, and powers were borrowed liberally from that. It wasn't meant to be a replacement for your religion, but it was meant to tap into those themes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A, a, a simile, not, a, not, a, not a, a replacement. Well, what's happened in our modern day is it's often been used as a cop-out replacement. So there is some truth to that which is why my favorite Christmas decoration that we use other than the blue Christmas lights I love is I love the, the, the Santa bowing down to the baby Jesus. All right. We have that several, we got several of those on my tree. We've got several of those decorations at my house. That's one of the reasons, by the way, I love Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. Cause at the end of Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey, what does Santa Claus and the Rankin bath special special do? What does he do at the end? He bows down to the baby Jesus at the end. Okay. I love that stuff, okay? Because that's that's what it was originally meant to be, right? But but the character of Saint Nicholas, even if you watch the Veggie Tales story about the original Santa Claus, all of that is true. But they left a couple of things out, probably because of who the intended audience is. All right, so I mean, he Saint Nicholas wasn't just awarded this position within the church. After, it wasn't just canonized after, after his death. He was an active member bishop within the church at the time, okay? And when I meant active, he was a defender of the faith. And there was a there, the, one of the two great uh, heresies in the first thousand years of the church, Arius and Marcionism, okay? Um they had to call a, one of the most famous councils in church history, the Council of Nicaea was called, to confront one of these great heretics. And at this council, after listening to him stand up in front of the bishops, and Constantine called this because Rome was beginning to accept Christianity as its official religion, and now there's this massive debate, okay? And the bishops were all called together at this place called Nicaea by the Emperor Constantine, and they heard the case of the heretic. 
Nicholas became your Santa Claus, became so incensed at this toxic sludge spewing forth from the heretic that he stood up and in all of these bishops in front of, in full view, knocked this guy out like book of Nehemiah style. And then like dropped a mic and was like totally unremorseful. It, it caused a near riot in the council. And so they had to put him in a jail cell overnight basically to get him to chill. (laughs) You love this story so much that uh, if a Pope did this, I'm confident you would be. I'm I'm in. Yes. Yes. I'm in. Okay. I do love this story. In fact, one of the reasons I do a version of this every theology Thursday at Christmas time is just so I can reset this story. It's one of my favorites. All right. Because you know what I love? I love the fact that this guy really did love the, the Bart, to borrow a phrase, the marginalized. Okay. The same impulse that caused him to leave those gifts for the children. And you know what one of the most common gifts would be? Bananas and oranges. Natural sugars with vitamins and nutrients that we take for granted today that only the very rich children could get. And that's where stockings would come from, is he would put these things in socks so that they would stay fresh overnight and not spoil right away. So they'd be fresh when the children would get up in the morning. Because this was, this is like, this was like red velvet cake to these poor kids. That's what I love about it is the same conviction of impulse that led him to these great acts of mercy. It's the same sheepdog that protects the sheep is the same sheepdog that will shoot the wolf. I will give my family everything I have. It is my pleasure to, to work all the hours I do to provide for them. I love to spoil them. If you step to them, I will take you out. Or die trying, one of the two. Do not deny. Do not test me on this. Better be prepared to go all the way to the 12th round, because I will. Because the same impulse that causes me to spoil them is the same impulse that causes me to smack you. Same one. And that, to me, he is the, he's the embodiment of this. What he did for all of those children that were not her, his, by, by birth, but he saw them as his children by second birth, is also what caused him to stand up with the wolf in his midst and said, somebody needs to do something about this. This is no mere academic exercise we're having here. This is a doc, This is a demon incarnate. And someone needs to put him down. Maybe they didn't have the exorcist rituals back in the fourth century yet. I don't know. And so he decided the exorcism of, of that was good enough and laid him the blank out. They had to put him in a cell to chill out the night before. The same guy that's delivering all these gifts needs a cooling off period, man, because he's lost. He's on his last nerve. They actually, the bishops weren't sure what to do. And so the emperor himself, Constantine, goes into his cell the next morning. Almost, almost like he's Dustin Hoffman in the Marathon Man. Is it safe? Right? And so he goes in to basically make sure it is safe for Nicholas to come back out. So they can continue the, the dispute and they end up voting uh, overwhelmingly. I know, the, I know the Da Vinci Code told you the vote was close. It was like 350 to 3 or something. It was the actual vote to put the heretic down and cast him out, right? Um, and this is also where the modern notion of the, the books of the Bible comes out of this council as well. We'll come back. More Christmas myths in a moment.
You know, uh, millions of Americans are struggling every day with what's known as chronic pain. This is chronic pain as a result of too much inflammation in the body. Now, if you've got a real injury, a real illness, by all means, go get professional medical care. But if you're dealing with too much inflammation, try Relief Factor, which was also a formula created by medical professionals, physician created, but 100% drug free because they understand that the body is more than a machine. It's a created organism. And that if you give it the right input, you'll get more than likely the right output as well. So four key natural ingredients that help you without the use of drugs, push back naturally the creator's way against that inflammation in the body. I use this pro this product on a day Daily basis. I've had tremendous results with it over the course of this year. I'd highly recommend it. Call my bluff, though. They're offering it to you for practically nothing right now. It's called the three-week quick start for a dollar a day. Just $19.95, a dollar a day, way below cost, to see if you can have the same benefits and results that I've been blessed with, courtesy of Relief Factor. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day, except maybe, finally, and hopefully, the pain? Go to relieffactor.com. Again, that is relieffactor.com. It's the three-week quick start for $19.95, a dollar a day, at relieffactor.com. All right, let's finish up Theology Thursday. The five myths of Christmas that come out from the left and even some from the right this time of year. Let's get to myth number four. All right, that Hanukkah and Christmas have nothing in common. Hanukkah and Christmas have nothing in common. Well, I, I did a little bit of research on this uh, over the last couple of years, and I, I believe the only time Hanukkah is mentioned in the Bible, because this is an event, if you know the history of this, all right, this is an event that comes out of what, what, what's known as the Maccabee um, revolt, all right, and and. Um, in fact, Mel, Mel Gibson, before he fell into his own uh, personal dark place, he had the the years at, the couple of years after the making of the Passion, he was flirting. After he made Apocalypto, he was flirting with the Maccabee story as being his next biblical epic. And this is the story of the revolt against um, Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a Seleucid. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I always pronounce it wrong. But uh, when when Alexander the Great died. He didn't leave a true heir. And so his, his generals uh, split up his empire, okay? Uh, the Ptolemies, and there were three others, and one of them were the Seleucids. And Antiochus Epiphanes was the leader of that faction. He was an ardent uh, worshiper of Zeus and the pagan Greek pantheon. And so he goes in, not, not just into the temple itself, that would have been bad enough as a Gentile, um, there was a courtyard where God-worshipping Gentiles could go. It was called the courtyard of the Gentiles, where you could go and worship God, but you were not, you know, part of the, you know, you weren't Jewish. You weren't part, so you could still be a part of the covenant, but not at that level of intimacy. All right, but so he violated that protocol, but even went a step further. He went where even most of the Jews could not go. In fact, only a priest could go once a year for the, for the Day of Atonement, which was the Holy of Holies. He went into there on that altar, and slaughtered a pig because, of course, that's unclean and that's an unclean animal in the Jewish law. He slaughtered a pig uh, to Zeus there on the Holy of Holies with all of this unclean blood all over the altar. And this caused a revolt of the religious faithful in the Jewish community led by the Maccabees that overthrew Antiochus Epiphanes. And part of that victory was a rededication of the temple. They, they were short of oil. 
And um, they it was going to take, I believe, eight days to rededicate the oil. That's where you get your eight crazy nights, Adam Sandler. All right. That's that's a really fun movie, by the way. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and they only had enough oil for one day. And it was a miracle of Jehovah that they were able to have enough oil last from just one day's of supply for the full and rededication of the temple for eight days. I think I have that right, correct? Yeah. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a reference in the New Testament. I think that I think it is in um, it's in Matthew or Luke, where Jesus goes to the temple for the festival of dedication. That's a reference to Hanukkah. So I, the so the the um, it, it's called the time between the testaments, or sometimes it's called the dark years, where the voice of God is silent. The time between the last prophet, uh, which is Micah, right in the Old Testament, to when Matthew begins uh, the New Testament. All right, there's about 400 years of of of, of Jewish history between these. Uh, these two events, the time of Christ and the the last prophetic word in the Old Testament, that's when the Maccabee revolt takes place in, in within those 400 years. And the the only time Hanukkah, therefore, is mentioned in the Bible is when years after this, Jesus himself, Jewish, um, uh, goes and un, un, with the with the temp with the festival of dedication, which is a reference to Hanukkah. Any thoughts on that before we move on? No, nailed it. Okay. Let's go then to Christmas myth number five. But, but can I go back to number four for just a second? By the way, if you are, if you're a Gentile, um, which means a non-Jewish Christian, uh, if you are a Gentile in our audience, and if and have you ever thought about totally working your parents over with that angle? Like I didn't grow up in a Christian household, so I didn't get the chance. But if my kids came to me and said, "Dad," I wouldn't do it now. You know what? Yeah, I would. I'd honor this. This level of shrewdity, I'd honor it. If my kids came to me even now, older and teenagers, and said, you know, Dad, it would, like if Noah came to me, he's like, you know, we were, worship, we were uh, researching Hanukkah at Des Moines Christian, man. And we've been grafted in. Jesus honored. Jesus celebrated the festival of dedication. I think we ought to, have, we ought to be having presents for eight days here instead of one. You know what? I would totally honor that's a boss move. Yeah. I, I, I think any good dad should be willing to honor that sort of a, a power play by their kids, right? Because I, I respect that. Now, now because that you know what it tells me? It tells me that I have properly discipled them. Like they're, they're, they're truly picking up when I'm laying down. The fact they're trying, to, you, they're trying to work the system, but in a righteous way, I would totally honor that. Right? Well, you raised them in a home where they think Christmas starts on November 1st. That's so. true, too. So maybe that's why they haven't tried it. Right? Because they, they do. They think Christmas starts the day after Halloween. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's go to Christmas myth number five. Christmas is mostly a late 19th century invention of commercialism, whose only history before that was drunken Catholic revelry, which is why Protestant reformers like the Puritans wouldn't celebrate it. So again, if we were a real politifact and not a, a bunch of partisan uh, hacks, we would rate this there is some truth to this. You had me a drunken Catholic revelry. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yeah. There, this is partially true. All right. So this is a reference to the Puritan church in England. All right. So Puritan, what is the root word of Puritan? Killjoy. Tan. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> Pure. Okay. Pure is the root word. All right. So they were very upset with what these what these celebrations among their rival Catholics had become at this stage of church history. That is true. They were largely bouts of drunken revelry. However, 
This was also going on within the Anglican church as well. All right. I mean, Henry VIII much. So it ain't like, it ain't like, you know, he was known for chaste. Okay. So they were incensed at all of this, which is why they would have. So the same Puritans that got on the Mayflower, you know, they celebrated Thanksgiving. They, they would not have celebrated Christmas. And this would have gone on well into colonial American, Jonathan Edwards, the great Protestant preacher, Puritan preacher. He viewed it as an absolute pagan uh, festival reference because of the because his faith heritage his denominational heritage came out of the puritan effort to purify the church of england which um and this this the way the church of england the anglicans and the catholics both treated christmas as a time of of revelry and drunkenness they were uh, they were uh, offended by however that's not a uniform protestant belief for example, about 100 years after Jonathan Edwards, Charles Spurgeon, arguably the greatest Protestant preacher since Edwards, and, and maybe the greatest, some would argue, the, the greatest Protestant preacher of all time. Um, you can go online and find volumes of his Christmas Day messages and from his, the Christmas Day services at his churches. Um, um, the original reformer, the guy that nailed the, the 95 theses to the door, Martin Luther, the guy who started this whole thing, okay, um, was passionate about the celebration of Christmas, wrote Christmas carols, had Christmas observances. The Wesley brothers, who founded the, the Methodist Church, who earned the scorning nickname of Bible moths from their peers because they had their noses in the Bible so much, they were like moths. That was not a compliment, all right? And, 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 of course, now you can walk into a lot of Methodist churches and they're like, what's a Bible? But back in, when the people founded the, the Bible, have I picked on the poor Methodists enough today? No. <laughs> no? Um, but back when the Methodist church was founded, the, guy, the, the brothers who founded it were Bible moths for how meticulous they wanted to follow because they believed you could lose your salvation. They were 100% Arminians. You could lose your salvation. And so they were very big on what was called holiness preaching, righteous living. All right? And so they were adamant about it. Which is again ironic because Methodists are like you can live any way you want, and that's what the, kind of what the UMC Church. That's not what the Wesley brothers believed. And they wrote a little song. You may have heard of it. Um, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born. In Bethlehem, okay? They wrote that song. Well, Charles, the, the other brother did, not John, okay? Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, wrote those lyrics. So it is not true for my Protestant evangelical brethren, it is not true that there is no Protestant history with Christianity until Coca-Cola commercials with, you know, jolly old St. Nick and, and Americanism. That's, that's not true. That is true in the Reformed Puritan tradition. That is true. But in the Lutheran tradition and, and the original reformer tradition, he was an adamant celebrator of Christmas. So I wanted to blow that myth and canard up as well. Are there any shibboleths left? Because oh, you know what our motto on this show is? If both sides of an argument don't hate us, then it, the party hasn't started yet. <laughs> right? It's not officially a party until everyone hates us, Right. Let's get to three non-political questions. All right, three non-political questions because we need a break. For, actually, no, that was that was pretty good. We could have spent the last eight minutes or so uh, doing that stuff. We do need to work in before we leave for break. 
we do need to work in the story of uh, St. Boniface and the Christmas tree, the origin of the Christmas tree. Just sure. throwing that out there. Yep. Uh, question number one, though, it's a two-part question. What's on your Mount Rushmore of secular songs of all time? So it could be anything, rock, pop, anything. And then the second part of this, uh, Mount Rushmore of Christmas songs. All right, for me, um, we won't get fooled again by The Who. Let It Be by The Beatles. Um, the theme, the full theme to Superman by John Williams. I mean, I, I could I could just listen to that on loop even now, all these years later. That would be on my list. Um, and... Um, um, uh, it's the fourth one that's always the hardest. It, yeah, because I, because I there's fifty seven thousand options that I could choose, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for the fourth one, I'm gonna go with. Um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for by you two. I'm gonna go with that one. I'm just gonna be overloaded by that one. Christmas song. I think you gotta go. I mean, Little drummer boy. Songs, yeah. come Emmanuel. Oh, um, and then some modern, uh, I really like this, um, 2000 Decembers Ago, which is modern, and, uh, what's a fourth? That's... So for Christmas for me, I would do Hark the Herald Angels Sing, um, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Yep. Uh, and when that's done with a choir, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that'll make the organ. hair on the yeah. yeah, that'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Celine Dion does a version of that song that will literally make you feel like you're at the marriage supper of the Lamb when you hear when you listen to it. Which is odd because she's out there like showing kids how to be uh, training madness. She's pimping that to children right now. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah, she's all in for the uh, for the psychosis. Um, uh, then I would have um, Chris Tomlin's "Hallowed Manger Ground." It's 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 the it's the rare modern modern song that that the West that, that a Wesley Brothers could have written. I mean that that song is beyond uh, powerful. And Casting Crowns does one as well. Um, oh, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I'll find it. But that would be those would be the four that I'd put on there. You never gave the the, the secular ones. I I couldn't. We're, we don't. I'm just going to sit here spinning my wheels. Four songs out of all of secular history. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a U2 one on there. There's going to, I'm just going to, let's go on to question number two because I'm going to bore myself and everybody trying to narrow that down. Um, so for me, uh, secular songs, Viva La Vida by Coldplay. Um, I would say Back in Black just because it always You're an evokes. Iowa fan and it makes you it, think of that. Exactly, yeah. Then maybe um, I should throw the victors in there then. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, the other two, uh, Stairway to Heaven, that's a good one. And Knights of Sidonia by Muse is a great song. Those are, those are on my Mount Rushmore of songs. Uh, as far as Christmas music goes, basically the same as yours. I would put uh, Born is the King. There's a, a relatively new, I think that's the name of it, a uh, relatively new. I, so it's your list, the first three. Um, but then Born is the King, there's a new uh, Christmas praise and worship song. Uh, question number two, what's uh, one mundane thing? that you absolutely hate paying for? Mundane thing I hate paying for. Parking meters. How often do you do that? Not very often. And then, but every time I have to, I hate it. I, I, would, I would say parking meters. I think they're a total scam. 
Uh, I actually got into this at my bank recently. They tried to ch- uh, two two birthday checks from grandma and grandpa because they're to minors and they they don't have their accounts yet and they don't need accounts yet. And they tried to charge me five dollars per check. I said, um, "Was it a significant portion of the actual amount of the check?" Oh uh, well, it, like yeah. These are these are like twenty five to fifty dollars. Glorious checks. day. Yeah. That's the name of the Cassie Glorious Brown day. song. Yes, nice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant to put on there. Um, <laughs> for unto for unto us a child is born by handle. Yeah. Okay. I know. Speaking of mundane things, I, I mundane the heck out Todd's of that Todd's over one. here emptying it's his like, spleen, and I just shot, Glorious Day! I just I went, like, you're like, did he just go TBN on me right now? No, that was the name of the song, my bad. I won, they realized it was ludicrous, and this is about basically like adults getting over or whatever. So you're not taking five bucks away from a kid getting birthday money from grandma, are you? And I shamed him, and I won. Nice. Uh, final question, which, uh, oh, for me, it's haircuts. Hate paying for haircuts. 20 bucks? Uh, thereabouts, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry, hate, I'm sorry, hate single moms. Aaron. I was always under the assumption you were paying a hundred bucks for that style. There, yeah, what's yeah. It, yeah. What's the cost with a bowl on your head and just trim around it? <laughs> um, not much actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, question number three: uh, Which sports team, uh, either professional or collegiate, has the worst fan base? Oh, Iowa. Uh no, they don't. <laughs> I love that answer, though. And I love I love how cocksure and instant it was at the same time. That was great. Um, uh, ne- Nebraska fans closer, the further away from Lincoln, Nebraska you get. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it's, it's the, the great irony of Nebraska fans is, is when, even when they were great, you know, like I, I, they once gave a standing ovation to Eric Bieniemy for Colorado for how well he played. They, they were always known as being greatly, you know, tremendously for their team, but very classy to the opponent. But the further away you get online, it's just yeah, ridiculous. the worse, the worse they are, the worse they are. So I, I would that would be my knee jerk reaction. I would say, yeah, that that Nebraska fan would be how I would go with. I. It's very unique to me, and it, but it, it is nothing compares to me for Iowa fan because of where you, I am. You keep kicking our ass at almost everything, and yet we're still in your head. I just don't understand. No, because that. no, it's the mine is the Denver is Broncos. I hate the Denver Broncos, man, with the burning passion of a thousand suns. Their fans are the worst. If you would have asked this question last year, I would have said. It, it doesn't matter that Zach Smith beat his wife because, oh. uh, you know, uh, you know, we win football games, Ohio State fan. But mm-hmm. that that's kind of gone now, although Zach Smith followed me on yeah, Twitter today. That's weird. That's real weird. That can only, that can only end poorly, and, and I'm totally looking forward to that ending, by the way. <laughs> All right, good job, guys. Uh, we're going to stick around and tape some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow on a Friday, noon to 2 Eastern, right after the Glenn Beck program here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.